50 high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode of our Kardashian bonus show. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Em. I just already know there is no world in which we can deliver an episode that will encapsulate the magic of this episode we just watched. This is all time. Have you ever been so excited that you got the hiccups? Like five (laughs) minutes before we started recording, I was like, holy fuck, I have the hiccups because I've taken in too much air from like being so fucking excited to talk about this episode. You guys, I know we say this a lot, but I am telling you right now in our entire experience of recapping old episodes of Kardashians, this hands down is the top. Blew everyone else out of the fucking water. I think this is this is better than Bora Bora, by the way. But also, the thing that I cannot get over with this episode is like, I have never seen a wedding special where Every single person hates each other so much. <laughs> so much. It's like we've spent the last, I don't even know how many episodes being like, you know, it's so upsetting, but as you're watching, you can really understand how it happened. Like, no, I don't understand. I do not understand how in the heat of this planning process, no one stepped in and was like, guys, what the hell are you doing here? Let me throw some some pairings out and you tell me who hates who the most. Is it Kim hates Chris? Humphreys, Chris hates Kim, Chloe hates Chris, or Chris hates Chloe. Like, of those four pairings, who hates who the most? No one hates anyone the way Chloe Kardashian hates Chris Humphreys, and I will die on that hill. Uh, you're right. But although I don't know, Chris really fucking hates Chloe too. It's different though. I don't think that he would have that response if she hadn't started it. I think he's feeling that way more so because he's reacting to her hatred. You know, like if she was overly welcoming and loving, I don't think he'd have a problem with her. I think that she just cannot stand him and obviously she's not masking it. So as a result, he's kind of retaliating. I think he just like doesn't really like women that much in general. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there's so much. He doesn't really like women in general. And then on top of it, watching Caitlin and Scott, he's traumatized basically at what he feels has been like the entire removal of their masculinity. And so he's fighting tooth and nail against that. It's, this is the craziest shit I think I've ever seen. Like, I don't know the percentage of people that listen to these episodes and also watch because we get a lot of DMs of people saying, you know, I'm not even watching along. I'm just listening to your recaps. I am telling you, if you know what's good in the world, you will watch this episode. Like, you have to watch it so we can talk about it together. Because also, there's no world in which we could recap it sufficiently. I'm already stressed. We have a 12-page outline here. Julie went through scene by scene, transcribed the scenes, have all the important points, and I still know we're going to miss things because there's no way to do this perfectly. I'm just warning everybody right now, the way that these episodes premiered is that part one and part two premiered together on one night, and the next night was part three and four. And when we watch the episodes, the way they have them on Peacock is that 
part one and two are combined, so it's an hour and a half long full episode. If we only made it through half, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm putting that on the table now. There is so fucking much here. I know, and it's not even like we can organize it by plot line because it's all really the same plot with the exception of what's going on with Rob and then also Chris's plastic surgery. But other than that, I mean, it's all Kim and Chris's wedding. Wait, in retrospect, Chris having a facelift in the middle of Kim's fairy tale wedding special is maybe the most iconic thing she's ever done. Chris Jenner not being at Kim's engagement party because she was recovering from the facelift is so wild. Like, I, I totally forgot about that. I have never once in my life said this sentence, but like, when they say Chris's mother, like, that's what they were talking about. <laughs> she was mother. She was fucking mother. So first of all, off the bat, you know, this is going to be spectacular because the first 10 seconds start with a black screen, white writing. And we know specifically if you are a Bravo watcher, you know what it means when that comes on the screen first. And it says, on October 31st, 2011, Kim Kardashian filed for divorce from Chris Humphreys. She released the following statement. After careful consideration, I've decided to end my marriage. I hope everyone understands this was not an easy decision. I had hoped this marriage was forever, but sometimes things don't work out as planned. We remain friends and wish each other the best. So keep in mind, parts one and two air on October 9th. She she makes that statement on October 31st. So they had to retroactively now put this in. Name a bigger lie in history than Kim Kardashian's divorce statement from Chris Humphrey saying, we remain friends and wish each other well. (laughs) There are no two people that wish each other more unwell than these two. Still to this day, I am sure. Yeah. I mean, okay, so we start out with this joint confessional. Again, please, you guys, if you are listening, you need to watch this. Like, it's so important to me. If you care about us at all, you will watch this so that you can really understand. Okay. They start out with their joint confessional. And, you know, Chris is saying, baby, every girl dreams about being married to someone like me. And your dream came true. And which, like, automatically I'm out. It hasn't even started. I'm already out. That is literally the opening of the wedding special. So we start out with these voiceovers. Kim's is saying, this year has been such an amazing surprise. From the moment I spotted Chris, he was everything I wanted and more. And Chris says, what made me realize Kim's the one I want to marry is that I just look at her and I see the mother of my children. Kim's saying, you know, I think Chris and I are a really good match. We're so opposite. Chris says, I'm excited to be part of this family now. Despite all the drama and craziness, they genuinely really care about each other. Kim says, you know, I think we've really changed each other's lives and I'm really excited and looking forward to this amazing journey. Which watching in retrospect is so eerie. I mean, it's eerier than watching a current episode of Vanderpump. Okay, let's not get crazy. No, it is. I'm sorry. This is, I cannot believe this happened. Like every single moment of this, something was off. There was not one moment in this entire episode that was smooth sailing that you could tell the energy was calm and welcoming. There was so much chaos and friction and like, It was really the definition of trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. The thing here is that I think Kim and Chris went into the wedding planning process with like the very basic understanding that it's going to be a very stressful time. And you know, they say like, you guys, like for a couple, you have to give each other grace during this period and understand that like the wedding stress is going to take over and it's not who you are as people. It's not who you are as a couple. And like, it will all pass. And that's true. However... Chris and Kim really took that to heart because they completely ignored the fact that they weren't just reacting out of stress to each other. They were purposely making things more stressful for the other by 
shooting down every single idea and everything that the other person wanted, mainly Chris to Kim, just for the sake of doing so, just for the sake of having an opinion. Well, right. And we'll get more into that because there were so many times when he's just unnecessarily inserting himself, exactly what you said, just for the purpose of inserting himself. But also, you know, the process of wedding planning really shows just how different their approaches to life are and the differences in what they value. And, you know, the other thing that I wanted to say to him throughout this whole time is, yes, of course, during the process of planning a wedding, Kris Jenner as Kim's mother is going to be very involved, maybe more involved than other times in her life. But like, this is Chris, and she's not going anywhere. And they are kind of a package deal. And they're in business together. So, you know, it was something that he was fighting against and maybe thought that he really had a chance at winning. When in reality, if you're marrying Kim, yeah, you're marrying the family, but you're pretty much marrying Kris Jenner as well. And it's just something you got to get on board with or not. But by the way, like, the thing that I wanted to say to Chris Humphreys throughout this entire process is like, if you want to have a say, you have to have good taste. Chris would be more than willing to hear you out, more than willing to hear your opinions. But when you come to a fucking meeting about who the performers are going to be at your wedding and you say you don't want Christina Aguilera because you don't like her whole vibe and you don't want to have to listen to her and you don't like her outfit, then like you you lose your say. When Chris asks you what you your ideal meal would be for your wedding and you say a five guys burger truck, I'm sorry, like you're out. Your opinion no longer matters. <laughs> Chris was fighting for her life there. She's doing everything. She's like, oh, well, maybe we can have Wolfgang, you know, just put something together. And he's like, no, I want a truck. Like, if I was her, it would take everything inside of me to not say, get the fuck out of my house. And you know what? It's unfortunate for everyone that Chris had to ruin this. But like, to me, my biggest ick just became like a guy who wants to have a full say in a wedding. I'm like, why are you exerting yourself for the sole purpose of being controlling? That's all he was doing. He didn't actually care. He just, he cared so that he wasn't being emasculated, which is not the same thing as caring about your wedding. But that's what I was saying to you. Like, there's a huge difference between a guy that's genuinely invested because they have beautiful taste and they have kind of an artistic mind and they see things from this aesthetic lens. He did not care about any of that. He truly did not care. It was entirely because his control issues could not deal with the fact that here were these people, specifically these women, doing something without his say. He didn't give a shit. He had no idea what they were talking about here. He doesn't care about the napkins. He doesn't care about the florals. He doesn't care about the location. He just cares because he wants his opinion to be heard. That's the worst kind of man. No, Chris Humphreys is the worst kind of man. I'm sorry. I know there was like a lot of back and forth during the Bora Bora episode and and as we've watched this where it was like, is Chris Humphreys that bad or did he just not mesh with the family? Like, is Chris Humphreys that bad or do we just not get his sense of humor? Like, in retrospect of watching this and just like watching how controlling he was and how much he clearly just like hated the women of the family and the way he spoke about the women of the family and spoke about women in general, honestly, like, no, Chris Humphreys is the worst conclusion drawn. By the way, justice for Chloe. My whole life is just justice for Chloe. Ain't that the truth. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. 
So Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray, and it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray, and Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real, and for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game-changer. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O-Allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. And one of the most fun parts about the seasons changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses, like such an easy throw on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me, that is such a chic look. Also, their washable silk blouses. They are so comfortable, but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy staples. Like that is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. Okay, so getting into this episode, again, we're going to try to break it down scene by scene, but it's never going to happen. There's just too much here. We'll glaze over the scenes that don't necessarily need much discussion. I'll kind of just quickly narrate them, and then I'm sure we'll talk about things as they go. I don't know. We're we're figuring this out as we go. The outline is 12 pages. So we start out with Kim, Courtney, and Chloe. Kim invites them over. She tells them that she decided she wants to have her wedding in the summer, and you could tell they're kind of shocked but trying to be supportive. We then go to scene two. Chris Humphreys is back from out of town. He arrives at Kim's house with his two dogs, which like anyone who knows Kim knows, she's just not really that down for that. As she says in her confessional, I really like dogs from afar. I don't want them in my space. I don't want them in my bed. We'll see how this plays out as the rest of the episode progresses, but it's one very small anecdote that I do think is pretty representative of just the dysfunction and the mismatch in in their relationship. Next scene, we have Chris, Kim, and Chris Jenner. And this is when Kim hits her with the fact that they want to get married in about 90 days. And, you know, as you can tell, it's kind of just game on here, which I feel like if Chris was being told this pre-Chloe and Lamar's wedding, she would probably freak out. But having just done Chloe and Lamar's wedding in zero time, she was relatively calm, all things considered. Yeah, I mean, compared to what she had to do for Chloe's wedding, three months is a dream for her. The next scene is Chris and Caitlin talking where Chris tells Caitlin that she would really like to have a facelift before the wedding. We're going to put a pin in this for the moment. We'll get back to it. But spoiler alert, she really does go through with this facelift just a few months before the wedding. And by the way, excellent work. Yes. And also, I know we said this a few weeks ago, they will never show the surgeries again like they used to. And that really added something like it was so transparent. I love when they randomly turn into an episode of Nip Talk. I was not expecting this. I totally forgot that we were in the operating room with Garth Fisher. We were really in her chin. 
Yeah. <laughs> One thing about us, <laughs> we're gonna be in Chris Jenner's shit. <laughs> By the way, I like really was paying attention during that. I think I could like give somebody a facelift. Like I really Shut watched. Up. I really I, I watched. Can't. No, I really watched the way they did it. Like I, I, I like it doesn't seem that difficult. Julie has the opposite of imposter syndrome. (laughs) Whatever that is called is exactly what she has. She will see the crazy thing like, you know, I just, I think that I could do that. I I really do. (laughs) I think that if my hands didn't shake, I would be an excellent surgeon. All right. (laughs) just (laughs) So you can't even take a fucking picture. You think you're going to be able to perform surgery? I would be Annie (laughs) Leibovitz if my hands didn't shake. (laughs) Okay, so the next scene, this is one that we'll really discuss. The whole family gets together for a meeting, and this is just chaos. I mean, if you guys watched this, I know you had the same reaction we did. So Kim is really trying to discuss the wedding. Chris is being disruptive and trying to kind of joke with Chloe. She's not taking it jokingly. They're at each other's throats. Chloe says in her confessional, I don't know Chris Humphreys. I haven't bonded with him. He typically isn't someone that I would gravitate towards, which I was sitting here like, amen, sister, because I feel you. Chris is saying, you know, I don't know if we should give Lamar a plus one, just like really antagonizing her. And it's not even like you could say, well, I don't think he knew how Chloe was. I don't think he knew how she reacted. He knew exactly how she reacted. And that's why he was doing this. He was having so much fun getting a rise out of her. And unfortunately, you know, at this point in Chloe's life, she didn't have the I guess you could call composure to not give him that rise that he wanted. You know, she was a perfect target because she was highly reactive. You know, the thing with someone like Chris Humphreys or being on the receiving end of someone like Chris Humphreys is no matter how mature or evolved or, you know, capable you are of not reacting in any given situation, the second somebody as just annoying as Chris Humphreys walks in the room, you lose all sense of that. Oh, totally. Just to be clear, I didn't expect her to not react. I just was almost frustrated on her behalf knowing the enjoyment he was getting from it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So then Chloe says to him, what you're going to learn really fast in this family is the men have no say whatsoever. Chris says, you're absolutely wrong. I will burn this place to the ground. Scott chimes in. I used to talk just like that, (laughs) which is like that line killed me for some reason because it's true. You know, here's Scott looking at Chris and I do think there was probably part of him that's like, Ah, to be young and naive. Scott was by far the MVP of this episode. Whatever Scott did in Bora Bora where I went on a rant about how annoying Scott was and how annoyed and upset with him I was, I take it all back after seeing this episode. He literally shone like the brightest star in the sky. But also because then we talked about this in Bora Bora. Comparatively speaking to Chris, Scott looks amazing. You know, all of a sudden, Chris and Caitlin, even post Bora Bora, They are loving Scott because they know no matter what Scott's going to do, even if it's like objectively worse, it's not this. And I actually think Kris Jenner at this point in her life can respond better to drunken antics than someone being late to the gift registry for a wedding, you know? Yeah, because it's just blatant disrespect. And the funny thing about Scott is that like all of these issues that arise for Kris in terms of his dealing with the family – are all things that are still really present for Scott. It's not like this is years and years ago when Scott's really gotten over them. Like this was as much an issue for Scott two months ago in Bora Bora as it is now. It's just the difference is that watching somebody else do it, Scott is able to be like, oh, come on. 
Like, oh, you can't do that. Like, it actually annoys him a little bit because he's now one with the family and Chris is on the other end of it. I know. And I honestly think that for him, aside from it maybe being gratifying, I also think it's kind of calming. You know, for so long, he's felt like his back is against the wall. And now he can confidently and so clearly see he's not the one with his back against the wall. He is like one with the people. And it's a very rare experience that he's had in this Kardashian family. And I also feel like for Scott throughout this episode, he's like, he's annoyed with Chris on some level because he's like, I have so much wisdom. Like I can make you a fucking star in this family and you're not going to let me pass it down to you. Or you're so resistant to like the family itself that you're not willing to take the tools that I can give you to succeed in it. I think right. Scott's looking at him like, buddy, you're an idiot. Like, I can give you everything and more here. I could set you up in a position that I never had the opportunity to have, and you're not going to take it. Yeah, he's like, I can show you the world, and and Chris is just not on his Jasmine shit. I, I know. I mean, the next – the funny thing that really shows the delusion is in Kim's confessional, she says, you know, Chloe will just say anything to get under your skin a little bit. Which, by the way, is true. But if you're comparing Chris and Chloe and who gets more enjoyment out of getting under one skin, it is Chris Humphreys any day of the week. Kim is just like full SZA, I can't see, I'm blind in this episode. Like, mm-hmm. even when her and Chris come back from inside after like being around the entire family and Chris is clearly getting very annoyed at Chloe, they're inside and Kim's like, oh, I, you know, I just feel like like everybody hates each other. And Chris is like, I don't hate anybody. Like, I only hate one person. Like, you literally have your fiance who you are about to marry in, what, two months saying to your face, I hate your sister. And you're like, oh, I hate when Chris is goofy like this. Right. And that's when Chloe says, I'm not going to let him talk to me a certain way and then me not stand up for myself. And she says in her confessional, I don't know what it is about Chris, but I feel like every time he's around me, he just wants to start digging at me. I would think by now he knows I'm going to throw it right back at you. And honey, I'm a dirty fighter, which she is. I mean, listen, let's not, you know, and I, I don't think we've made it out to be like this, but let's not act as though Chloe is this kind of wallflower and it's a totally uneven fight. It's not. She can fight as as hard as the best of them. You know, it is a very even match. It's just the fact that it's even happening in the first place is the issue. Oh, it's not an even match at all. If Chloe really wanted to go in, this 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 would not even be this would not have been a four part episode. This would have been a twenty minute special. Like Chloe, honestly, as as much as she's stirring the pot and as much as she's not letting any comments that Chris makes pass, she is fully holding back. No, I know that you're saying it's not an even fight because realistically, Chris can never even compare, which I'm aligned with. But I'm saying if you're watching this, having no understanding of who Chloe really is, if this is your first time ever watching it and you don't understand her potential, this does look like kind of an even fight. You know, it's not like he's saying something and she's not responding or she's timid. She's going right back at him. Oh, absolutely. Okay. So the next scene is Courtney and Chloe, and they're both kind of saying how Chris is annoying and they would think that he would want to give off a better impression, which that's what I'm thinking the same time as well. It's like, it's almost impressive, I guess, how unwilling he is to kind of be on his best behavior. Like, I guess if you're trying to look for a positive, you can say he's nothing if not authentic. The inability to try and impress them in any way, shape or form is like the key thing here, because it's not even that he's not trying to impress him. It's that like, Throughout every single scene in these episodes, it like triggers Chris's flight or fight response. And when he should be fleeing, he just keeps fighting more and more. And so any opportunity he could have to kind of lay things down and 
consider the fact like, you know, for the sake of Kim, he really has to get these people on his side. Like this is his family. And for the sake of peace, like he could be the bigger person and just not instigate. It it makes him want to do it more and more just to continuously prove a point. Like his entire role in this wedding planning process and in this family is just continuously proving the point of like, I'm not going to be walked all over. I know. And that's one of the reasons it's so frustrating to watch because you have to ask yourself, you know, how much of this is he genuinely annoyed by or how much of this is him responding because he is so afraid of being perceived as someone who wouldn't be dominant or wouldn't fight back. You know, it's like, God forbid he feels even remotely emasculated for one second. And as a result of that feeling, like he just fights back 10 times harder. It's It, it was never going to work. It was just never going to work. And he purposely put himself in a position where it was never going to work to attempt to prove his masculinity, where it was like, you know, if if you really are so hell-bent on this, this dominating, controlling personality that you're putting forth, like, one would think that the Kardashians are not the family of women to enter as a way to prove that. Like you would think that you would want somebody a little bit more timid that's not going to push back, that's going to allow you to kind of do that and and exert your dominance in that way. The issue is that Chris kind of put himself on X Games mode where he was like, let me put myself in the hardest possible position to try and do that in and see if I can win. Like it's almost like a game for him. No, it did kind of become a game for him. But going back to the scene, so Courtney and Chloe are there, you know, they're kind of just discussing Chris and Chloe is saying that she feels like she can't forget about the stuff that he said to her the first time they ever met. Courtney asks what he said and Chloe's explaining how he said to her, so are you really married? And she's like, you know, Kim said he's just kidding. And and I said to Kim, joking or not, that's not funny to me. And it's like, I don't mean to be rude, but I just don't know what his intentions are. And Courtney was saying, you know, she doesn't really know what his intentions are either, but she doesn't care. And they can only say so much to Kim. And if they say to Kim, he has bad intentions, she's not going to listen to them. So what are you going to do? Which is true. You know, this was a situation where Kim had her mind made up. And I don't really think at this point she was open to hearing criticism or or concerns. Uh, Yeah, this was a case where there is literally nothing that anyone could have said to her that would have gotten through, which is something that she's spoken about in retrospect. It's not like we're watching this and we never get the answer to what was going through her head at this time or what she was thinking or what everybody else was thinking. Like These are all things that we know. And we just know for an absolute fact, even to this day, that there is nothing that could have been said to Kim in this moment that would have gotten her to veer course from what she was on because she was just so hell bent on getting married. Like she had just such severe tunnel vision that nothing else mattered. And by the time that she realized it, like it it was too late. So Mother's Day is coming up and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because Realistically, no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. And it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen. And every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. 
Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. So we're now on to scene seven, which like we said earlier, not every scene needs a discussion. This one typically wouldn't, but I just did want to say this to you. So this is where they're starting to think about which designer Kim wants to use for her wedding dress. And she's saying that as soon as the news leaked that they were getting married, designers started sending over their sketches right away. So she's sitting down with Chris and she's showing her all of the sketches she received from Vera Wang, Zach Posen, Marquesa. And there was just something about watching Kim where like you could tell this was a dream come true for her. And I know, you know, current day she'll say in these super high fashion moments, she still has to pinch herself. And I believe that, but on some level she's jaded to it. Whereas here she really wasn't, you know, this, this really was like all of her dreams coming true. Well, it was also such a nice and subtle fuck you to everybody else, because at this time, that's not how people assumed Kim would be received by designers. People did not on any level assume that Kim would announce that she was getting married and designers would be coming to her. They assumed that Kim announced she would be getting married and Kim would pay top dollar for whatever designer that she wanted. And it was just a matter of whether or not they were willing to dress her. So the subtle mention of the fact that without reaching out to anybody, without saying anything, people were coming to her is like a huge fuck you to everybody else. Oh, totally. And and she, she didn't say that in this episode, but you could tell she was very much aware of it, as was Chris. Absolutely. Okay, so the next scene, which again, doesn't even really require a discussion, but like, I just want to talk about it. This is when Chris and Kim are at Kim's house. They're getting ready for bed. Kim's putting in her retainers and she's saying to him, you know, I bet you didn't know that I wore these, which like, in general, I can't believe we witnessed a time where Kim was putting in her retainers. But then she says to him, you know my biggest pet peeve? When someone brushes their teeth so hard that they make a huge mess all over the bathroom. And she's saying that because there's like spray from his toothpaste all over the mirrors and she's just cleaning it off. And like, they're laughing about it. It is playful in nature. But <laughs> Kim, this was never going to fly. Like it, There was just no world in which this was ever going to fly. We go from them in the bathroom where she cannot deal with his toothpaste all over the counter to then getting in bed and his dogs getting in the bed, which like 
she was just not down for. She does not like dogs in general. And she specifically doesn't like other people's dogs in her bed when she sleeps. And he had no willingness to kind of compromise on it. You know, like all of these things that bothered her, he put under the category of like, well, she's just being dramatic. She's just being ridiculous. And so he had no ability to meet it with any sort of seriousness about like this being a genuine boundary for her because in his mind, he had already written it off as her just being crazy. Something Chris does repeatedly is he constantly says throughout this episode, like, you know, and Kim is just going to have to learn to compromise. And like, this is just something that Kim's going to have to compromise on. And Chris's definition of compromising is Kim giving in to what Chris wants. Right. <laughs> what I want to say to him is, you don't know how to compromise, motherfucker. All she's been doing is compromising. By the way, like, I know the retainer thing is so minor, but like, do you know how uncomfortable you have to be around your partner that the first time you reveal to them that you wear a retainer at night is after you're already engaged? Like if you are somebody who wears a retainer to bed, like there hits a point where you are dating somebody where you decide to expose the fact that you have been sneaking into the bathroom after they've gone to bed and putting in your retainer. And that usually happens well before you get engaged. Whereas Kim decides to put on display the fact the first time that she hasn't snuck away to put her retainer in to wear to bed because of retainer people who wear retainers at that age wear them every fucking night, no matter the circumstance. After she's already engaged, that to me is like the craziest thing I've ever heard. But that is, it's a perfect little anecdote to really illustrate, yeah, just how little they knew each other. Because by the way, if they knew each other anymore, they wouldn't be getting married. Like the the retainer is the absolute threshold for how much they were able to know one another without her just like running away. Also, Chris has like zero gentleness in terms of introducing things to Kim. Like if you know your partner and you know Kim, like warm her up to the idea of something. Like bring the dogs into the home and say, you know, like, uh, you know, they're going to sleep on the floor or like they're going to sleep in the other room and then give her the opportunity to warm up to them, get to know them, love them. And then maybe she'll let them. I mean, she was never going to. But like if you're trying to have that be your overall goal, forcing her into that position is never I just can't everything about them. I can analyze every single second of every single scene and explain why they were so wrong for each other on every single level. There was pretty much nothing about them that worked. And so it's so crazy analyzing this episode and going over everything because it's, again, the most addicting thing in the entire world to do. But also, like, you're going in circles. They literally just hated each other. I know. And, you know, another thing that I was just thinking about as you were talking, which this will come up more in later scenes, I think one of the reasons, aside from how much tunnel vision Kim had – I think one of the reasons she was so okay with the dynamic between Chris and Chloe is that at this point in Kardashians, you know, as we've discussed a million times, Courtney and Chloe were very much a team and oftentimes Kim was the target. And so I think in this kind of twisted way, it's almost like she finally had a teammate. And it wasn't that it was her and Chris against Chloe, but it was finally as though she had protection. Whereas I think for so long, you know, Chloe and Courtney protected one another. And now finally she had this person that was protecting her and it was a little bit more even of a fight. So it's not that it's something she would have said consciously. And I'm not saying that was the overwhelming reason, but I think on some level in some weird way that existed. I agree. Except she's looking at the wrong Chris. Like your teammate is Chris Jenner, not Chris Humphreys. No, I know. But also Chris is like all of their moms. There's only a certain extent of loyalty that she can have towards Kim. Whereas Chris coming in again, I'm not, 
at all condoning this, but I'm just trying to like psychoanalyze where Kim was coming from. And I think it felt really good that for so long she felt like, you know, this lone target. And now finally she has this person there who is totally on her page, is out to protect her. He's obviously doing it in the completely wrong way. But I think that, you know, that was kind of addicting to her. Yeah, I I don't think you're wrong about that. Okay, so two scenes we're going to kind of glaze over. I'll quickly narrate them and then we'll get into the one that really has a lot of discussion. The first is scene nine. This is when Chris is at Dr. Garth Fisher's office. They're doing the pre-surgery consultation and kind of just going over the precautions, the procedure, more on that later. The next scene is when Kim and Chris are more formally discussing the dogs and Kim's kind of you know, outlining what she's comfortable with and he really just could not be on less of the same page. And when he says, no, they're sleeping in bed with us, she says, absolutely not. And if that's the case, I'm sleeping in a hotel. And then she says to him, actually, no, you should stay at the hotel, which I was so glad she finally said that. And then he says, though, no, you're sleeping at the hotel. You said it first. And she just laughs it off. Like, did she actually think he was funny? It's such a crazy question to answer, but I I kind of think on some level, yes, maybe. You know what I would really love that I don't think we've ever gotten? Like, I want somebody to come forward and tell me what Chris Humphreys was like in high school. Like, I want to know what Chris Humphreys was like in a classroom setting. I thought you were going to say Lamar's opinion on him. Because honestly, I forget what happens in the next parts. But I, as I was watching this, was waiting for Lamar to basically stand up to him when he keeps coming for Chloe and saying, like, all right, man, enough's enough. You know... The timeline with Lamar is a little unclear in terms of when things started to really go downhill with him. But I will say that something I was very aware of throughout watching this episode is that we see much less of him than I think I remembered the first time I watched. Like, you really see him very infrequently. And and when you do see him, it's really in the context of the scenes with Rob and Chloe and not so much in the context of the whole family. And so there was a part of me as I was watching this that was wondering if the reason that he's in less and less scenes is because things with him aren't great at this point or are starting to not be great at this point. Maybe Chloe was hiding that and didn't want him on camera as much. I don't know. But like, I definitely was surprised to not see Lamar step in and defend Chloe and I, I was wondering, like, is is it because it's not the same Lamar we knew him to be six months ago? Right, which is totally possible. And as we know, it's around this time when things start to change. I also think it's a totally fair possibility that, like, he didn't necessarily know the best way to handle this. It's a pretty bizarre situation to be in. You know, it's like your brother-in-law that's about to enter the family that's hardcore feuding with your wife, who's also... <laughs> throwing it right back at him. And she clearly can hold her own. Kim's not getting that involved. Maybe you feel that you should take Kim's lead. You know, like, yes, of course, there's the male dynamic there at play. But I also think it's just a hard and kind of strange thing to navigate. Well, that's the other thing that I was going to say is that Lamar also knows Chloe well, and that could be all this is, is just like Chloe is going to fend for herself like Lamar didn't need to jump in and defend her as a way of exerting his masculinity in the complete opposite way that Chris did to Rob when they were in Bora Bora for the pure sake of doing that like Kim was fully holding her own Kim was dealing with her own familial issues Kim was dealing with her own brother and yet Chris had to make it about himself like when Chris confronts Rob even after Kim and Rob have apologized for what went down with each other in Bora Bora Chris is demanding an apology for himself for the way that Rob treated Kim, which makes absolutely no sense. But 
Lamar isn't somebody who exerts his masculinity like that. And so he was probably honestly just watching the situation, knowing that Chloe had it and he didn't need to step in. It's so hard to watch these episodes like from the Lamar lens. It really is because you're watching this. We just saw the Tristan post and I'm just like, God, I wish so badly there was a world in which you two could be reunited. I know it's not going to happen. I know it shouldn't happen. I obviously don't actually wish for it, but it's just so hard when you're watching this era of Kardashians and you're transported back to that time because they had so much fun together. Like they were really genuinely best friends and not best friends in the bullshit Tristan way, not best friends because they had similar interests and their schedules aligned well and they were compatible like best friends because there's a deep heart and soul connection they had. And it's just so upsetting that it all happened in the way that it did. There is no part of me watching any of these episodes, but specifically this wedding special and specifically seeing the relationship between Chloe, Lamar, and Rob. Zero, zero, zero part of me thought that I would be recapping this episode and that they would be divorced during the recap. I thought that they were, I really, I am not just saying this, I thought they were forever. Oh, forever. And even when I watch this back, knowing what we know now, you know, a lot of the times when you watch reality television and it's years after the fact and you know the outcome, you're picking up on signs, which I'm sure in the coming seasons we will be for different reasons, you know, for what was going on with Lamar behind the scenes, even though they did conceal it very well. But there's no part of me that watches this and is now picking up on signs of things that were wrong in their marriage. Like from what we are seeing on the screen, it's it's just so much love. Right. And we're so attuned into doing that. Like that is so second nature for us to pick up all of the things that we didn't pick up the first time. I mean, we have constantly done it with Scott and Courtney's relationship. Obviously, we are obsessed with doing it with Chris and Kim's. We're obsessed with doing it with Kanye's and Kim's. Like all of these little sneak peeks into what went wrong and where it started to go wrong. And there's nothing with Chloe and Lamar where I'm like looking at it and I'm like, oh, that is so eerie or that is so foreshadowing. Nothing. Nothing. I know. It's almost scary. Okay. So we're now at scene 11, which by the way, what you said in the beginning is so true. There's 35 scenes here. Like there's no world in which we can do both part one and two this episode. That was really bold in in nature actually in thinking that we could. It was ambitious of us for sure. Yeah. Okay. So this is when Kim and Chris are together for their gift registry. Chris Humphreys is supposed to be meeting them and he's running late, which as we know, that is the kiss of death when it comes to Chris Jenner. And so Chris asks Kim, you know, is he someone who runs late? Is this common for him? And Kim says, I guess so. I don't know. Again, going back to the retainer example, like how do you not know whether your fiance is a punctual person? I, I can't. I can't. Like some things I'm like, I love Kim too much to sit here and acknowledge the fact that she married somebody without knowing whether or not they were on time. And that's not even a thing where it's like, well, that's Chris's thing. That is a hundred percent Kim's thing too. Oh, totally. And honestly, with all of the scenes leading up to this, even though you could tell that Kim and Chris were by no means compatible, so much of Chris's issues were really with Courtney, with Chloe, with other members of the family. This is one of the times where Kim was really pissed at him and she finds being late, highly disrespectful, not only to her, but also to her mom, which I actually wanted to say, you know, for as much as we've talked about in earlier seasons, the way that they kind of disrespected Chris, this was a prime example of like, when push comes to shove, they do deeply respect her time. And specifically Kim understands like 
what it means for her to give you her undivided time and attention and what that means she's taking away from business-wise that like it's almost as though Kim treats it like a business meeting in terms of the seriousness, which is why she was, aside from being pissed and annoyed, like she was deeply affected by Chris being late because it, it almost came as though like Chris Jenner was her boss. You know what I mean? Yeah. She recognizes how valuable her time is, not just because time is valuable and it's a real sign of disrespect to assume your time is more valuable than somebody else's, which is with the message you are putting forward when you're late to something, but especially for Chris, who Kim is so intimately aware of what her schedule is. She knows she canceled a meeting to be there. She knows she has a facelift tomorrow. Like this is not the time to fuck around, especially by the way, it's not like you're showing up for lunch late. Like you're showing up to register for your wedding and get your wedding China and pick out the most important aspect of this for Chris. And you're going to be late. Like, I'm sorry. It is like a different level of disrespectful. But again, when Chris comes in, instead of just being so gracious and saying, you know what? I'm really sorry. He says, I'm sorry, baby. I'm sorry, mom. And then he has to throw in, but I was ready before you though. You know, and he has to say the only reason that he ended up going out to eat is because when he was ready to leave, she wasn't ready. And so, you know, he went out to kind of fill the time. And as a result of that, he was late. Instead of just saying, you know what? I'm sorry. Coming in with my tail between my legs. I, I fucked up here. Like he has a total inability to just exhibit grace. And it's such a frustrating quality when you're looking at Kim, who I think is so graceful in so many ways. I mean, listen, if I had to describe Chris Humphreys in one way, and it was never more on display than in this one scene, it's just, he's tactless. He's not on time. He is not respectful of Chris. And he walks in literally, literally like a bull in a china shop. It's so true. Wow, I can't believe what a real-life example of that phrase. I know. But you know who picks up on this more than even Chris does? Like, this is my favorite scene of the whole thing. I can't wait to get into it. Scott, when they're golfing, is like, no, no, this this is not for me anymore. <laughs> no. Scott was killing me this episode, specifically that, specifically that. He could not like wrap his head around the fact that he got so much shit for so many years and here comes in Chris Humphreys, like who is just objectively so much worse and somehow he's relatively getting off scot-free. They have this scene where again, Chris Humphreys is late. I know we're jumping ahead for a second, but these scenes go so in tandem. We have this scene again where Lamar, Scott, and Caitlin are all golfing together. And again, Chris Humphreys is late with some bullshit excuse. And Scott calls him and is like, where the fuck are you? Like, I am not going to sit and wait in the sun and be hot because you can't get your ass here on time. And Chris Humphreys says to Scott, like, I, I had to stop because I didn't have a collared shirt. Like, I had to get, I didn't have any golf apparel. M, when I tell you, I would rather look down at my phone and see 13 missed calls from my mom than have to call Scott Disick and tell him that I didn't own a collared shirt to go golfing in. I am not kidding. <laughs> it's like absolutely the worst possible thing you could say to a 2011 Scott Disick. I mean, it's really sacrilegious. Like I thought he was going to drop dead right there. I mean, and Scott says to him, which I think is actually, I texted you this, the funniest line of the entire episode. Scott goes, who doesn't have a polo shirt? Only somebody from like Lake Minitoba. I'm like, that is so funny. <laughs> he was so funny this episode. Also, yeah, him and Courtney were like really great, you know, like just like having so much fun. And it was also funny because 
which we'll get into later, but when Rob comes to their house and, you know, it's so clear that Scott has totally adapted to Courtney's lifestyle. And it was just like in such contrast from the way that Chris so like vehemently opposes every single thing that Kim is doing. And then you see Scott who's kind of gotten on board with Courtney's shit, knows that it's not going anywhere and like is actually starting to enjoy it. And I just felt the contrast of that to be very funny as you know, you're watching. Well, Chris was the best thing to happen to Scott and Courtney's relationship. Like if Kim had decided to stick it out for longer, you know, Scott and Courtney might still be together because not only was it in contrast that it made Scott look really good. It was like Scott saw how Chris was and made himself look really good, which is like the ultimate for Scott. You never see that. Yeah, that's exactly what I was about to say. It was so powerful and so impactful because it was not just in the eyes of everyone else. It was actually self-motivating. Yeah, that's what a beautiful thing to say. (laughs) Okay, so we're back in this gift registry and, you know, it's just like, there's a lot of things that you can say to Kris Jenner, but when you have such a fundamental inability to understand why she views Hermes China to be so magnificent. That feels like you're drawing just a totally new line. And it's not that you want him to lie. You know, yes, he should have a say in the dishes and the beautiful objects they have in their home. But he has such an unwillingness to like take a moment and understand why something like this could be special, why it could be useful, that I, I really felt in this moment Chris was about to just like jump out of her skin. POV. You're registering with your Hermes China. You are with Chris Jenner. And Chris Humphreys is standing there holding a fork to his mouth saying he doesn't like the way that it feels. Like fine silverware. And he is holding a fork in his giant hand, gripping it and going like, I just, I don't want this in my house. I'm not getting him. I would have a heart attack. What what about when he says to her, I love that your favorite thing is Hermes and your last name is now going to start with H. And I'm looking at him like, no, the fuck it ain't. <laughs> no, the fuck it's not. <laughs> and also, like, let's not conflate yourself with Hermes. Like, we are we are not playing with the, with the same things here. Like, that I is know. non. I can't. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, what really pisses me off? The idea of Chris Humphreys walking into, like, Chris Jenner's office and seeing the H blanket and being like, oh, my God, you got that for me? You know what I mean? Like, couldn't you <laughs> so imagine that? I just threw up in my mouth. <laughs> And when Chris says in her confessional, you know, I really like Chris, but I want to strangle him right now. And I'm like, oh, girl, you and me both. And also, you don't really like Chris. No one really likes Chris. I know. And also, like I keep saying to myself, it doesn't actually matter because this all had to happen for her to get to where she was. Like, they had to get married. They had to get divorced. She had to go through that emotional experience. Like, I understand that it was just part of her path. And on top of it, they made probably some of the best reality television I've ever seen in my entire life out of it. But as you're watching this and you're just thinking to yourself, like this could all be stopped with a moment where everyone could just ground themselves for a second here. I know. And again, like that's one of the things that Kim said in terms of feeling the pressure of going through with the wedding where she was said, like, it's not that I felt pressured to go through with it because of the check that was being cut for having this wedding special. She's like, I felt pressured to go through with it for the amount of work that was being put in for it. And I was going to let everybody down. I mean, and by the way, in retrospect of watching this, like, I think everybody would have rather have been let down. Oh, totally. I just think in the moment, it's so hard to see that it is really a good lesson, though. 
you know, like for anyone going through this type of thing, at the end of the day, people will understand people, as long as they are compensated, they will understand that sometimes things happen and your sanity is always worth more than, you know, feeling bad for effort. As long as you're compensating the people, like it is what it is. You know what I can't stop thinking about? Kim getting the cut of this episode before she decided to file for divorce, like before she had made the decision to like really end this marriage and seeing this whole process in retrospect. And then thinking to herself, like if I were to have kids with this guy, like this is what they would see of our wedding. Like we hate each other. Yeah, I know. It is kind of a funny thing to think about, especially, I don't think we talked about this, but in the very opening scene when they're talking about how many kids they want and he says two and then she says three and then she says four. She really did want four kids. You know, she said that multiple times and it's just so interesting that she did end up with her four. Did they agree on one single thing throughout this episode, except for in the end when they agree on the wedding venue after the fight about the wedding venue? I was going to say when he finally came to terms on the wedding venue. I don't think so. I mean, as we go through this, we'll see, but no, (laughs) I guess they both agreed that they felt Chloe was out of line with that comment. I mean, even though he didn't want her to confront her. And the way he brought that up, we can't even get into that now because it's the end of the episode. He was just so manipulative. Okay, so next few scenes, you know, another fight about the dog crate. We are then at the day of Chris's surgery. Caitlin had a speaking engagement. So Chris invited over Pastor Brad. Pastor Brad is doing some prayers. They're all getting ready. All of her friends come and surprise her in the waiting room. You know, everything is going well. We'll get more into that later because as we see, you know, Kim really takes on a very maternal role with Chris in a way that no one else does. I really do want to talk about that, but we'll touch on it later. Honestly, at this point, that may even be next episode because I'm looking, it's around scene 14, and I think there's 36 scenes in this outline. Yeah. Apartments.com believes the dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because... You just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit apartments.com, the place to find a place. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada. 
which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. So the next scene we're at Chloe's house is Chloe, Courtney, Scott, Kim and Chris Humphreys are on their way over. And even before they enter, Chloe's already giving him a hard time through the intercom. Like, just to put it the most simply, they absolutely fucking hate one another and it is so on display. And Kim's saying, you know, whenever they're together, it just always has to be something. And Chloe's really prying at Chris, asking him a bunch of questions, asking him about his previous girlfriends, asking if he's ever had an STD, all this stuff. And Chris is in his confessional saying, you know, he doesn't know Chloe well, but she's asking him a lot of uncomfortable questions. And he says, because that's just who she is. Chloe's just kind of an inappropriate attention seeker. Which, by the way, like just to get sidetracked for one second. Let's say they ended up staying together. These confessionals would be so uncomfortable to watch because it's one thing when you're saying it about your own sibling. It's another thing when it's your brother-in-law saying it about you. Here's the thing that I don't get about Kim in this episode. is like, this wasn't a joke and it clearly wasn't a joke. And Kim saw that this clearly wasn't a joke. The relationship between Chris and Chloe, like they both just fucking hated each other. Here's the issue. Kim was viewing this in the way that she viewed Scott and Chloe's relationship, which is just like, oh, Chloe's really difficult and it takes her a while to warm up, but like she'll get on board. Scott and Chloe had an existing friendship where they really loved each other. And then Scott did wrong by Courtney, which caused Chloe to react to Scott. Then they fought, then they hated each other, and then they were able to get back on track. And that fighting between Scott and Chloe really set Kim up for this idea in her head that like, it would just be okay between Chris and Chloe because this is just how Chloe operates. Completely ignoring the fact that there had been no period of time with Chloe and Chris where they actually got along in any capacity. And so, yes, of course, Kim isn't going to base her relationship or her marriage or her love around, you know, the opinions of everybody else. But when you are a family that is this close-knit and your fiance and your sister can't even stand to be in the same room together. Like you have to look at that and be like, what, how does this bode well for the rest of our lives together? Well, that was the thing, you know, there was good, just going to be no rest of their lives. It was completely uh, impossible for that to ever take place. But when they're at Chloe's house, tensions are high. Like, yes, it's all kind of in joking fashion, but it's really not what, what laid beneath the jokes was just a, a true hatred. And Chloe says in her confessional, I'm worried about Chris Humphreys. I don't know where his intentions lie. He sees Kim, who's this beautiful trophy wife, who has a ton of money, works her ass off, great personality. Kim has so many amazing things. And Chris has nothing to lose if he marries Kim and gets a divorce. He has everything to gain. Which I know, you know, people will say that the show is scripted and it's super dramatized. And at times it totally is. If you watch the way Chloe was talking in this confessional, it was so genuine. Like the concerns that she was portraying here were really coming straight from her heart. You could tell she was really frustrated by it. Well, Chloe is fiercely protective. And so this whole situation was obviously sending her into overdrive. And she was constantly struggling with this idea of like of three things. One, genuine protection over Kim and genuine fear about the person that she was marrying. Two, the fact that she was going to stand up for herself regardless and nobody was going to speak to her in that way. And three, like, as crazy as it is, not rocking the boat with Kim. Like, again, I said it in the beginning of this episode, but the crazy thing about how mad Chloe is at Chris and how much anger she has towards him is that Chloe is holding back here. 
I know this, this is Chloe holding back. That's the thing. That's what you were saying when you said, you know, it's not really an even fight because if she really wanted to unleash, he would be, you know, six feet under. Right. Okay. So the next scene, this is when Courtney and Scott are in the car and Scott's saying to Courtney, you know, I kind of feel like you guys need to take it easy on Chris a little bit. He's here by himself. He's like, I know what this is like. It's not easy to have everyone going after him. He's doing everything he can to be part of the family. And Courtney's like, yeah, but you know, we're just joking. And Scott's like, I know how it feels though when you don't really. And Scott in his confessional says, I just think everyone would really feel bad if they pushed him so hard that he ended up walking away from Kim, which it was so sweet to to see this like very kind of sweet, protective side of Scott who has been through it or been through something similar and he wants to share his wisdom. At the same time, my response to this was like, let me tell you something, they would not feel bad. They would actually be overjoyed if they pushed him to the point where he then walked away from Chris because technically they could say that they didn't do it. Right, like let it be his thing. Although he knows the family well enough to know that there would still be guilt there. Like it has to be Kim's decision entirely in order for Kim to get over this because that's also the part of that they constantly say throughout this episode and Chloe's big point and Kim is like, Kim is a hopeless romantic. Like Kim falls in love extremely easily. Like that is Kim's whole shtick. And so Scott really does understand that like, yeah, the rest of the family would feel bad if it caused Chris to walk away, not because Kim would lose Chris, but because Kim would be upset in a way that she wouldn't get over if it wasn't her decision to do so. Right. And you know what? It's true because we can watch this in retrospect and be like, well, hey, that would have been best case scenario. If they really did push him to the point where he walked away, then we all win. It it wouldn't be the case. Kim needed to go through this herself. She needed to see it through and she needed to be the sole person that said, I cannot do this anymore. It wasn't until she came to that conclusion herself that she was ever going to have any actual resolve. Because I think that if it really did happen where they pushed him away, to this day, she would harbor resentment. Yeah, me too. Okay, so the next scene, which we kind of touched on before, this is when Caitlin, Scott, and Rob are golfing. Chris is on his way. He's running late. That's when Scott makes the comment about the polo shirt, which I agree with you. Like easily top three lines of the episode. I actually think the number one line, or I don't know, number one, number two, is when Scott's in his confessional and he's like, you know, I had to make a lot of changes to get along with his family. You know, one wasn't cheap. I actually had to surgically remove my penis. <laughs> the number one line in this whole episode is when Rob goes, honestly, eating tacos is so awesome. It's like the best experience. I know. I really felt that. Us at Tacombi. He was so real for that one. I know. Oh, that's like a whole – I can't even believe that whole situation was even in this episode because there's so much there that has nothing to do with Kim and Chris's wedding. There's so much to get into about that. I really want to talk about that next episode. I know. I, I, when, I, when I initially started, before you said that at the beginning when you were like, I just want to put it out there. We may only get through half of this. In my mind, I was fully expecting we would get through all 35, 36 scenes. And I'm thinking like in what world did I think that was going to happen? Listen, you were young and naive at the start of this episode. Like, you're a woman now. It, this is so good. This is like when people say to me, you know, so do you still enjoy doing the podcast? You know, it's been a while now. Yes. Like, yes. I always say yes, but like hard yes. Like, absolutely fucking love it. Actually couldn't love anything more. Feel so grateful. Can't believe that we get to do this. Like, I just feel so happy and lucky and excited. And I'm, I'm so happy. I can't even tell you. Do you realize that this is our jobs? Like, our job is to watch Kim and Chris's fairy tale wedding and then talk about it after? Yes, I realize. And that's why I always say to you, like, 
the gratitude thing is so real. Like I feel it so deeply because I, all I want to do is talk about this for forever, whether comments existed or not. So the fact that we like actually get to do it and we get to do it together, like what? You know, I feel I'm like, <laughs> jokes on you. I would have done it for free. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are getting paid for this. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. Well, we love you guys so much. This is so much fun. I, again, I know I said it at the beginning, but please don't just take our word for it. Watch these episodes with us. We can discuss it together. There's so much more. I'm sure we missed some things, but we'll be back. And I guess we have like probably three more parts because the next one will have to be split in two as well. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What a ride. One hell of a ride. Okay. Well, we love you guys and Isabel and I will see you later this week for... Bravo. Thank you for listening and letting us do this. And I I always forget to say this, but let me just take this one moment. If you feel so inclined, absolutely zero pressure. But if you listen and you have fun and you want to leave a nice review, our producer always tells us to do that. We always forget. Or even just five stars. But love you guys.